Here's what it says in John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, or Bethesda rather, sorry, uh, which has five roofed colonnades, and these lay a multitude of invalids. Watch this, because this is important, three types that it names. Number one, the blind, number two, the lame, and number three, the paralyzed. Verse five, are you still with me? Oh, you gotta have a stronger yes than that. Are you still with me? The Bible says in verse five, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Hmm. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you wanna be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I am going, another steps down before me. That's how I imagine him saying that. Verse eight, because that's how complainers always sound. Uh, Verse eight, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed and walk. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. God, we need you today. I need your strength because my body is weak. My throat is sore, but I know that God, this ain't even about me. It's about your spirit. And so I pray, I feel you, God. Would you speak through me? Would you anoint me to preach, anoint your people to receive? And God, I pray, do something with this little church of ours, Lord. Would you come and bless us? Would you come and grow us? Would you come and touch and and continue the work that you're doing? God, I, I pray today that as I share this word, that people would begin to change the atmosphere in their relationships, in their lives, so that they can push towards their healing and their complete freedom in you. God, I pray that Jesus be glorified, that uh, your people be edified, and Satan and his mother-in-law terrified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. You may be seated on your way down. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? In diving into this text, it's important that I give you a basis for theology and Christology, that when we talk about God, we call him omniscient. There are different descriptions and adjectives that we have for God. Uh, We call him omniscient. When when we say he's omniscient, we say that he is all-knowing, that he knows everything from beginning to the end. The Bible actually says that he knows the end from the beginning. He has never been surprised. God has never had an idea. God has never woken up to a revelation because he has known everything as it is. That's going to be important a little bit later. But in that, I want to talk about this story. And I think the reason why God changed my message so that I could preach this to you today is because I want to talk to people who feel like you are working for your healing. You're trying to press in for your healing, but you've been sick for a long time. I want to talk to people who will be honest with me uh, tonight because I want to talk to people who say, Pastor, I'm coming Sunday after Sunday. I'm believing for my breakthrough. But the truth is I've been sick for a long time. I I know you can't admit it because you've got to pretend like you've got it all together and like you've been speaking in tongues since the day that you were born. But the truth is no matter whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, a Pentecostal or a Presbyterian, the truth is that trouble and pain comes to us all. And when life happens to us, what tends to happen is that we become broken and we become in need of healing. And so that broken relationship that you used to be in, that broke your heart, yeah, 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 you're over it to a certain extent. But the truth is there is some lingering pain that still 
needs to be healed. You don't even live in your parents' house, but they still have a hold on you because there is areas in your heart where the pain has reached so deep and it's so unhealed. And I want to talk to people who have been sick for a long time. Going to church sick. On the worship team sick. Preaching behind the pulpit sick. Serving as an usher sick. Leading the children's ministry sick. And still sick. And here's the problem I have when we come to the text that is in the story. Because the Bible says that Jesus comes. And the Bible says that he comes to a place called Bethesda. Everybody say Bethesda. Bethesda. Say Bethesda. The name Bethesda means literally house of mercy. And I find it interesting that, that unhealed people are hanging around a house called mercy. I'm going to talk about it in just a moment. But the Bible gives us an interesting detail here in the text in about verse 2 or 3. It doesn't just say that they were in front of Bethesda, the house of mercy. It points out the fact that there are five colonnades or pillars that are around the house. You know numerology. The number five in scriptures always represents the number of grace. And so here you have a house of mercy that's being stood up by grace. What do you think the church is? I'm preaching already and I got one witness. Um, the church is nothing but a house of mercy built on grace. So stop complaining about sick people in the house. Yeah, let me talk to the judgmental people for a moment. Uh, a bunch of sinners in that church. Where are they supposed to go? I can't go over to Collide. Too many uh, folks who got delivered from homosexuality over there. Too many folks who got delivered from perversion over there. Where are they supposed to go? And if we're honest, there's room for your hypocritical behind too. Because the house of God is called to be a house of mercy built up by grace. And so if you're punishing people because they're not living right, you don't understand the purpose of God's house. The purpose of God's house is not for perfect people. Because if that were true, you wouldn't be able to be a member. <laughs> Somebody said, well, I'm just going to leave this church and go find a perfect one. Well, when you, you go, it won't be so perfect anymore. Uh, we are a house of mercy held up by grace. I feel like preaching that right there. He, the Bible says that they are in the house of mercy with five colonnades. It's a house of mercy held up by grace. I need to talk to people because I've been talking about my house, but Lena, let me talk about your house for a moment. I know you're complaining about everything that you don't have. I know you're worried about the stuff that you don't have, but can we just celebrate for the fact that God's been holding your house up with grace? I know you can't shout because you ain't got all the bills to pay that you want to be paid, but the truth is, even in the midst of your lack, he's been nothing but a house of mercy for your house, and he's been holding... That's why you couldn't give up. That's why you couldn't throw in the towel because you had grace holding you up. That's why you couldn't kill them kids and divorce that husband. It's because you had grace holding you up in the house. Yeah, you wanted to leave. You wanted to throw in your towel, but grace was holding up your house. That's why you couldn't leave your parents. That's why you had to walk with them in their healing. And God held you up by grace. We, friends, are nothing more. You and I are nothing more but temples of mercy held up by grace. <laughs> that felt good to my spirit. The Bible says in verse 2, now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which, was the which had uh, rather five roofed, roofed colonnades. Verse 3, in these lay a multitude of invalids. They were blind, they were lame, and they were paralyzed. Do you know that birds of a feather, um, uh, sometimes they sleep together? Sometimes they smoke together. Uh, sometimes they compromise together. You gotta be careful in this season who you're connected to. Right. 
See, it's one thing to be sick. It's stupid to keep hanging around sick people. All right, let me try this side. I recently heard uh, that it's bad to be sick, but it's ridiculous to, if you're sick to continue to hang around people who don't want to go anywhere. Yeah, some of the reasons you, you are so spiritually apathetic. See, your soul, your spirit wants God, but you keep hanging around people. It don't take all that. I don't know why you got to go to church so much. Why are you serving? And, and oh, you must be a, a little follower of them. No, no, no. I'm just tired of hanging around people who can't do anything for me. You're not going anywhere. You're broken. You're busted. You're disgusted. I refuse to stay. See, you need to get around people who scare you, folks who intimidate you. If you're the smartest person in your circle, you're, I'm preaching good today. If you're the smartest person in your circle, your circle is too small. If you're the holiest person in your circle, you expand your circle. You need to get around people who, it must be the collar that's got me pumped up today. You, you need to get around people who say, no, 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 come here, baby. No, that's not how we pray. Let's, let's for real pray. No, no, no. I, I know you don't want to fast, but put the fries down, put the burgers down. Let, let, come on, come on. And I'm going to get some fries and burgers tonight. In Jesus' name. Come on, glory. There are three people so he that the scriptures here point out the first are the blind and I want to talk about your friends who have no vision so you sit around I just don't know what I'm going to do with my life and everybody around you they got vision boards with no vision because you know a vision board isn't really a vision it's just something you're not going to commit to for the rest of the year I just messed up a few Pinterest followers right now um the first group of people here and if you're taking notes I need you to write this down this sick man is sick for 38 years, and he's hanging around blind people, people who have no vision. The number one most miracle that Jesus ever performed was not the raising of the dead. It was not the opening of deaf ears. It was the blinded eye being opened. God did it so much on the earth that he had to get creative in how he was doing it. One man he prayed for twice. Another man he put spit into dirt, created mud, slapped it on him like he was Mike Todd and watched him get healed. God was creative in how he healed, and this is why you can't judge another man's process just because they struggle with the same things that you've struggled with doesn't mean that they're in the same journey of healing that you're going, I just don't know why they don't do this and why they don't do that. That God is doing something different because he's creative enough to heal us in different ways. That was good all by itself. But the number one miracle is blindness. And I think it's because God knows the scripture as well as we do when it says that without vision, the people Perish. That term perish there, it, it, it could, we could metaphorize it to mean uh, to die, but in actuality what it means is that without vision, the people, the literal translation would be, a, they wander aimlessly. Don't know where I'm going. Always, that's why I need a prophecy every two minutes, because I'm blind. And, and see, the thing when you can't see, you become real dependent on other people, or you keep bumping into stuff because you've got no vision. And so you bump into this, you bump into that, and you can't, and, and here's, here's the deal. Who you hang around with will speak a lot into your future. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're hanging around with people who have no vision, and I'm not just talking about for your business, I'm talking about for your spiritual life. If you're hanging around blind people who can't see what God's doing, if I'm asking you what is God doing and you can't tell me what God's doing, it's not gonna be too many more times that we call ourselves close friends. Because I need people to have vision when I've gone blind. All right. You didn't like that point? Let me try the next one. Um, not only are there blind people here, Brother Ernie, but there are lame people. Let me talk about your lame friends real quick. These are your friends who talk a big game, but they're not going anywhere. 
They talk about revival. They talk about spiritual stuff, but you ain't seen them make any progress. All right, let me find, because I'm trying to find my amens. Uh, you, you, you have these people around you. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they know deep truths. I mean, glory, I can give you the deep mysteries of Scripture. They have a big mouth because their mouth is still working, but their legs aren't. They're not going anywhere. They're not making progress. You're still, yeah, yeah, you speak in tongues, but you don't know how to forgive people. You know how to say Shondo, but we can't get you to say hello in a meet and greet. Yeah, you talk a big game. You got a loud worship, but when it comes to putting it to action, when it comes to walking, baby, you ain't got no progress. And I want to talk to the folks who are in the room who think you're deceiving us by your language when we're watching your steps. That's good, Pastor Dale. You remember Jacob. Jacob was the younger brother of Esau. He gets ready to have this encounter because, long story short, Jacob tricked Esau out of the blessing. Um, and let me, let me say it right. If you know the story, Jacob really didn't trick Esau out of the blessing. Esau gave up his entire inheritance for an immediate gratification. I'll preach that another time because that's real good. Um, Jacob... Um, he, he hears that his brother Esau is coming for him and he assumes because he tricked his brother that his brother is going to try to kill him. And so there's nothing like trouble that will push you to the place of his presence. Trouble pushes Jacob to the secret place, a place that he called Peniel, where it means to win with God, which I, when I get to heaven, Sarang, I'm going to figure out how do you win against a God who is all powerful unless he allows you to have victory. That's a different message again. I'm going to give you a lot tonight. Um, after he has an encounter with God, the Bible says, Adrian, that God, he asked God, uh, I, he says to God, because God says, let me go. And Jacob says, no. I want you to have that kind of tenacity in this season. Let's just move on. No. thing I love about Adrian is we could be in the middle of offering. It's like, calm down, Adrian. No. I mean, just lose it. You need to have the kind of tenacity that says, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go until my mind is set right. I'm not letting you go until my finances come back together. No, no, no. I'm going to get tired and I might have to cry holding you, but I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Jacob says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Here's the problem. Jacob's already rich. So this can't be about money. Jacob's got enough money that he sends a bunch of stuff over to his brother, so this ain't about money. And it's not until God blesses him that I realize what the blessing is. Because the first, oh, this is so good. The first blessing that Jacob got was from his earthly father, and he got it by dressing in his brother's sins. I'm sorry, his brother's skins. And let me tell you something. God will not bless who you pretend to be. Come here, fakers. Come here. Come here. Come here, hiders. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well and blessed. And you half crazy. You, you lose your temper every two seconds. You're addicted to pornography. You can't stop having sex. You're getting high. It's so quiet, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Uh, you got to get honest because honesty is the price that you pay for healing. God, Jacob is holding on, wrestling with God. And God says, let me go. God says, no. Jacob rather says, no, not until you bless me. And here's what God does. God takes his hand and he, because the Hebraic understanding of the blessing had to do with the right hand. The first blessing that, uh, that's what I was trying to do. The first blessing that Jacob got was because he dressed in skins like his brother because his earthly father couldn't see. And some of y'all think y'all getting away with stuff because I can't see everything. <laughs> Let me button my suit. The button button doesn't fit, so I'll just leave it right there. Um, Here's the metaphor. The first blessing came by way of a fake because you can, treat, you can trick your, your spiritual father. 
You can trick your earthly father, but let me tell you who you'll never be able to trick. And here's the thing I don't understand. He already knows. You might as well just tell him. But here's what Jacob does. Oh, okay, I'm going to get a blessing, so let me dress in my brother's skin. He gets the blessing, and he realizes that that earthly blessing is not enough, that there is a divine blessing that is necessary for the season that he's in. And he gets to the place called Peniel and begins to wrestle with God. He says, God, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And Jaden, God, doesn't fill up his bank account. He doesn't put premium gas like I want him to do in my car um, because gas is expensive. I was in Atlanta. They were complaining about it being $3. I was like, where's the Ziploc? I'm going to put some in the freezer and take it home with me. It's, and he doesn't, this is not about financial gain. God touches his hip. And from that day forth, the Bible says, Jacob walked with a limp. Uh, Jacob, what, what happened to you? And if nobody's asked what happened to you, you don't have the limp yet. You, you're not the same person you used to be. You don't walk the same. And some of you have never heard that. It's because your walk hasn't changed. You just started going to church. Your schedule changed, but your walk didn't change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk a big game. I, I want to talk to all the people. You think you're getting away with it too. And, and here's the thing I love about the end of the story. God blesses him, and the blessing is painful. Hmm. Healing hurts. <laughs> I got some witnesses in that section. I said healing hurts. Some of you don't know the experience of healing because we can't get you to be honest enough or show up enough to actually get healed. But if you ever walk through healing, if I had a surgeon, well, the closest thing to a surgeon, my friend, so he, she's a doctor, I use her. If so he was a surgeon, and the first thing she's got to do if she's going to fix you is she's got to cut you. And there is, I can't fix what's inside of you if I don't get you open enough. And that process is painful. This is why we run. This is why we hide. Because it's great to have a testimony. It sucks to have a test. I wonder what would happen if you let God really bless you. I wonder if your friends that you used to get drunk with would look at you and be like, bro, what's, what's going on? See, some of you keep praying for your friends when really you don't need prayer. You just need a limp. <laughs> I, keep praying for him. I'm, I'm telling you, don't stop praying for him. Pray for him. But you know what works really good? To see a change in the way that you walk. Can I talk to the parents for a second? Do you know how healed your kids would get if you would get a limp? Because it would make you humble enough to actually say sorry. Back to the original story. He's not only hanging around with blind people who have legs to get places but have no direction. He's now hanging out with people who have the ability to go somewhere, or excuse me, who have the eyesight or the foresight to be able to see where they need to go, but they don't have legs to be able to. The last group of people the Bible mentions here in the verse, it says not only blind, not only lame. Well, watch this. It says those who are paralyzed can't do nothing. I mean, just everything is just causes anxiety. I'm just, have you ever been paralyzed by fear? Please don't be too honest because you might make your neighbor sweat, but I, I want to know, has it ever been hard to get out of bed? Yeah, I, I've been there too. We've had some days where, Pastor, I want to shout, I want to dance, I want to jump. But I've been beat up by life so much that my spine's messed up. I don't really have a spine. 
So you ask me what I want to eat, I'm too scared to even tell you my real opinions because I'm paralyzed. <laughs> That's why you're such a baby Christian. That's why you can't grow. It's because you're paralyzed. I mean, I, we, we tell you to, you know, I, and I've watched this happen in our church. It's like, man, nobody ever comes to me and goes, Pastor John, I'm praying whether to take this uh, six-figure promotion or not. Well, you know what they come and tell me? I'm just praying about whether I should, you know, give this to the Lord or whether I should do this for the Lord and do that. Because we give ourselves permission to be paralyzed for kingdom's sake. I mean, you are bold. If your, if your work friends saw you at church, <laughs> I mean, you're bold at work. I mean, you just tell your opinions and all that stuff. But when it comes to kingdom stuff, you allow the enemy to paralyze you in fear. But let me tell you why you need good community. You ready, Doug? I'm ready. Good. Um, my grandmother said, you're not crazy if you talk to yourself. You're only crazy if you respond. And I needed you to know where I stand. Um, the Bible says in the New Testament that Jesus is teaching in a house and it is completely packed. And I'm going to need at least five amens online for this one because I might not get enough down here. But this man is paralyzed and Jesus is teaching and he has four friends, one grabbing at each corner and he's paralyzed on the mat. And the Bible says that the house is so full that they can't press past the crowd because the crowd is always in the way. I don't know why you're waiting for the crowd. It's always in the way. Some of you won't worship until the crowd worships. You won't praise until the crowd prays. You won't, you won't give God glory until the crowd gives glory. Screw the crowd in this season. I'm going whether the crowd wants to or not. I already told God, y'all can leave. I'm going. I'm, I, <laughs> I already told, some of y'all have been in my way. I don't mean to be a mean pastor. I just want to be an honest one. Some of y'all have been in the way of our next season, of our next breakthrough, because we got to keep coming back to you and go, okay, come on, come on, come on. In this season, I'm saying crowd back up. You either get in where you fit in, leave follow or get out of my way. I feel like talking strong today. We, we, cause I've got, you may not want this, but I've got thousands of people out there who are hungry for what God has to offer in this house. And here's the deal. What do you do when you're paralyzed? Can't feed yourself. Can't pray for yourself. You're paralyzed. Let, let me tell you what you do. You get in a small group. Because the man can't get past the crowd, but his friends can. They grab that sucker and they do what every friend should do when you encounter somebody who's down and paralyzed. Don't talk about him. I feel this thing. Because some of you are going to let this moment pass and you're not going to change the relationships that you have and you're going to remain paralyzed. Do you have friends that even know what to do when you're bound in fear? Who do you call when you're in trouble? Have you developed the kind of relationships, watch this, that can take you up when you can't go through? Because how does the man get inside the house, Pastor Nelson? The Bible says that the, the friends, I don't know who they are. I don't know if they're women. I don't know if they're men. I just know they must be good friends because they take this old paralyzed man and they start dragging him up on top of somebody's roof. And Jesus has the audacity to be teaching while they're... what. Because let me tell you something. Stuff start coming through this roof right now. Uh, where's Caroline? Yeah. She, <laughs> get him. 
But here's what I found out about Jesus. He doesn't care how you get to him as long as you get to him. All right, Vanessa, I'll preach to you since you were the only one who said amen. Because some of y'all only want to get to Jesus if the crowd gets to Jesus. But I'm the type of person that if I'm broken and if I'm bound, if I'm paralyzed, if he wants to get me on Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m., he can get me then. But if he wants to wait till Monday uh, when I'm in aisle six, see, none of y'all have ever had an aisle six kind of moment with God, but I've had an aisle six kind of moment with God where I've had to put my hand over my mouth, run to the bathroom so nobody thought I was crazy and say, God, I thank you. Lord, I love you. God, I bless you. Because he doesn't care how you get to him as long as you get to him. Some of you keep comparing yourselves with your pastor, keep comparing yourselves with other spiritual people, and you're saying, well, I can't get to him like that. Don't get to him like that. Get rowdy with it. Get rude with it. I was telling Lena the other day, and she was like, well, I just don't want to be disrespectful. This is a disrespectful church. You've got to get disrespectful with your praise as long as you get to him. Watch this. But the paralyzed man did nothing in the situation. It was his friends that did it for him. That's why we do accountability. <laughs> I feel like pastoring today. That's why we do submission. You think I want to control your life? I can barely control mine. We do it because there are going to be moments where you can't get to Jesus and we're going to help you get to him. Here's my struggle. Not only are there blind, lame people, but there are now paralyzed people in the same atmosphere and everybody's sick. Let's keep reading. Are y'all still with me? Verse 5. One man was there who had been an invalid or a sick person for 38 years. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he asked a stupid question. Let me read this again, because I need you to see how stupid this question is. Jesus, please don't strike me down. You know you're the smartest God. But watch this, verse 6. When Jesus saw the man lying there, and Jesus knew that he had been sick for a long time, Jesus, remember what I told you at the beginning of the sermon, that he is omniscient? that he knows everything from the end to the beginning. So Jesus knows even the heart of men. And we know that Jesus knows the heart of men because Jesus was in a moment uh, sitting around with the Pharisees and some of his boys, and they started thinking uh, negative stuff about the woman who was worshiping at his feet. And Jesus called them out of it, called them out on it because Jesus knows the secrets of a heart. So it shocks me when Jesus asks what seems to be an obvious question. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Jesus, it would be different if you didn't know how long I had been sick, but the text here tells me that he knew that the man had been sick for a long time, and still he asked him, do you want to be made whole? The first question to ever be asked by God was in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve had gotten really good at hide and go seek and started clothing themselves in their shame with fig trees, and God stepped down and said, where are you? Do you think it's because God was bad at playing the proverbial game of hide and go seek? Whenever God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because you don't. See, he asked Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, where are you? Because you're not where I left you. So I don't think you know where you are. Because we used to walk in the cool of the day. We used to have good times together till you got hurt by the church. Yeah, 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 yeah. We used to have sweet times in the presence of God until the pastor said the wrong thing to you. And now you have covered yourself in the audacity of fig trees? Where? 
Are you jumping back to the text? I get now why Jesus is asking him. Because sometimes he needs us to search our heart to see if we really want it. Yeah, yeah. Just because you're sick don't mean you want to be healed. (laughs) I feel like messing with some of y'all today. Just because you're sick doesn't mean that you want to be. Every bound person doesn't want to be delivered. I was, (laughs) this is years ago. (laughs) I was uh, preaching at a little Kojic church, not for my non-black people, that's Church of God in Christ, basically just means black church. Preaching at this little church, Kojic church in San Francisco, and God moves in my ministry and signs wonders and miracles, not just prophecy, and so I felt the healing anointing, and I started, I saw this woman, because when I feel the healing anointing, I get really bold, I look for wheelchairs, I look for walkers, some of y'all run for them, I look for them, because I'm trying to build up testimonies. So I, I said, she had a, either a cane or a walker. It's been a long time. I can't remember. I said, lady, come up here. I want to pray for you. She came up. She took her a long time to get up there. She finally gets up to the altar, Lena. I just said, do you mind if I pray for you? I believe God can heal you. She said, no, thank you, sir. And now she was saved. Now the good and saved, like real saved. I said, uh, maybe, okay, let me try this again. One second. I, I want to pray for you to be healed. Can I pray for you? She said, no, thank you. I said, okay, let me try this differently. Um, Yo tengo algo para ti. Y me voy a orar. Because I'm like, you obviously don't understand the English that I'm speaking, so let me try a different language. I'm asking you, do you want to be healed? She said, son, I don't want to be healed because I've got a court coming up, and I need to get the money from the uh, accident that I got in. And and so I need to stay with the thing. Because she knew that in my ministry, people got healed for real. We didn't play. Like, we saw cancers fall to the ground. She said, I can't do that because I've got, I need to get the check. And here's why some of you won't get healed, because you profit off of your sickness. You like the attention. Come here, come here. No, don't, don't run from me now. Come back. You, you profit. You like people feeling sorry for you. You want people to just hold you and hug you. You don't want to change. You just want to be sympathized with. This ain't the church anymore. Not no more. If that's what you signed up, you might have to find a different place. FBF, I believe, is accepting members, but not in this church. You've got to get to a place where you decide that you want to be healed. How long are you going to stay in this condition? I know they hurt you, but how long are you going to stay in the condition? I know what they did to you, but how long do you want to be hit. Do you want to be healed? Here's the thing. A lot of us think we want to be healed because we think healing is glorious. But healing is embarrassing. <laughs> I got two witnesses in the room. Has anybody ever had God expose your business in the midst of healing? I mean, just put all your stuff... Uh, Just like, why you had to give me a prophetic pastor? All I wanted was just a regular one who didn't know my business. But he sees me and it's like, how you doing? And I think he's playing nice. And all of a sudden he goes, "Eh, so who was you with last night? (laughs) And I'm just like, God, what is going on? And I just want to ask you the question, since there's just a few of us in the room tonight. Do you actually want to be healed or is this a game for you? Is this just attention seeking for you? See, some of you think you want to be healed, but you're not ready. For the embarrassment that comes. Okay, God would never, God would never humiliate me. That is not God. Stupid. God wouldn't, um, God wouldn't humiliate you. How do you think humility comes? Humility is on the other side of humiliation. 
Now, God is not after shaming you because he knows that shame will never change anybody. Nobody's ever been shamed in the transformation. But he does realize that there are moments that you go through in your healing where you feel embarrassed, but he's trying to break you down to get you humble enough for the healing that you need. Because you care too much about what people think about you. Come here, please don't run today. I need you to catch this. You care too much about what your family thinks about you, about what your spouse thinks about you. You care too much about what church people, screw church people. If you're gonna care about what anybody thinks, think about what people outside the church, we barely making it in here. You care too much about what people think about you and that's why you can't be healed. And so that's why you play like you're getting healed. You talk the language. Oh yeah, God's doing a new thing. It's been four months. When is the new thing gonna show up? All right, here's the other thing that gets in the, the way of your healing. And this is why God has to humble you, because you're too proud for your healing. That's why some of y'all, every time I say submission, just, ooh, just submit. I mean, can you just say it differently, pastor? It wouldn't, nope, submit, move. Mm. Because you're not, le- you're not used to letting somebody else, unless it's a toxic person, help lead your life. And God has put you in a house with a pastor who wants to help lead your life. In reality, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ, because I'm trying, listen, listen. Hmm. Let, me, let me say this and move on, because they don't like this point, pastor. Um, I have never seen a proud person ever get healed. And here's the crazy part. Some of you don't actually think that you struggle with pride. Come here. Can I tell you, every one of us in this room struggles with pride. And pride is not just ego. Ego is that thing where you need to be seen and you're on stage and you need the spotlight. Some of, most of y'all don't struggle with that, but here's where you struggle with pride. You know everything. Nobody can tell you anything. Some of y'all older saints, you're too old to change. Who's this young? I've had people come, I can't have no young pastor. Well, your old one didn't work. And God will intentionally put you in situations to break down your pride because he doesn't want you bringing your ego into a season called healed. Because if if there's anything that messes up your healing process, it's your ego. That thing in you that cares what people think about you, that's pride, friend. Pride isn't just about having your name called out. It's about you trying to control your reputation. All right, let me try. I think there's something wrong with your Bible, John, because I'm not getting the amens I think I deserve. Watch this. Um, I'm almost done. Jesus said to him, well, let let me back up real quick. Jesus asked, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? And here's what the sick man said. Watch this. Now, now check this out. The sick man has the living Savior in front of him. Healing incarnate. If you're taking notes, write this down. When Jesus asks you, write it down. When Jesus asks me, rather, um, if I want to be healed, write it down. The answer is yes. Okay, just make sure. That's a whole point right there. Okay, good. I need to make sure you write that down. Watch this, because watch what he says. Adrian, listen to this, watch. Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? Verse 7, the sick man answered him, Sarah. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to go over there, somebody always seems to get there first. 
just never get, I mean, God's blessing them, and I'm sitting here, and I, God's just not blessing me, and I don't know, I'm just all, I'm, you know, I'm a pillar in the church because I don't move. I just sit here, I, that's all I am, and God seems to, man, they not even living right, and God giving them a wife, and here I am. I look good. I lost 90 pounds. I did lose 90 pounds. I lost 90 pounds, and thank you for the clap. I lost 90 pounds, and I just don't know. I mean, I know I can preach better than them. I know I can sing better than them. I just don't know what's going on. And here's the difference between you and me. Uh, you make excuses. I make history. And people who make excuses will never make history. You, the, you can either make excuses or you can make history, but you can't make both. Here's what the man says. Because apparently what was happening is that once a year, there was an angel that would come down and begin to stir the water. Once a year. This man knew that once a year, the waters would be stirred. I get it. You're sick. You've been sick a long time. 38 years. You've had 38 chances to get in the water. I get it. Nobody, nobody's there to put me into the water. Let me tell you, if I'm sick for 38 years, let me tell you by year seven. <laughs> Y'all think I'm laughing. I just, just, I'll, listen, I'm going to roll by the water, Lena, lay down and go, I wish it would stir without me. Wish, and I'd have some rocks in my hand to hit people who try to get in first. Back up. I wish I wasn't lying. I get it. Life has been hard. But at some point, you got to put in the work for your own healing. You've been making excuses. And here's what we do. We do the same thing this man does. We blame everybody else. It's my parents. It's my pastor. It's my friends. It's my ex. It's my this. I get it. They're living life having fun. You're the one bound and broken up. Why don't you just decide to take your healing in your own hands? This man doesn't do that. Water stirred every year, but he still doesn't do that. Watch this. And somebody get L so he can play romantic because this is a hard message I see and y'all having a hard time. Watch this. Jesus responds to the man after the man says, there's nobody else to put me in the water because water stirred. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. Well, Jesus, Pastor Jesus, that doesn't seem very pastoral. How did, do you have to be so blunt, so direct? We took the offer and I got your money. I ain't nervous. Yeah, some of you are too easily offended for the next healing that God wants you to have. I love it because God doesn't even deal with his excuse. Some of us would think that Jesus would respond and go, man, you haven't, man, let's have coffee. You haven't, you haven't, you've been sick for 38 years. You haven't gone to, man, that sucks. Every, everybody keeps going in front. And that's the kind of Jesus that we expect. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible doesn't care what you've gone through. And it's not a valid enough. And when I say doesn't care, he cares, but he doesn't care enough to stop your future. He refuses to allow your current condition to paralyze you from where you're supposed to go. So watch this. Jesus just looks at him and says, I know all your excuses. I know why you do the drugs. I know why you get drunk. I, I know why you're obsessed with your friendships. I know why you're living in all the sin that you're living in. But watch this. Here's what I got to tell you. You're healed. Now, your neighbor needs your, some help because I've been preaching for a long time and I need to shut up. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you want to be healed? Wait for an answer. Look back at that neighbor and say, God just healed you. You see these little half, I'm not going to say what I want to say, but you see these little pathetic, amen, praise God, heal. 
And, and, and here's the crazy part. God is doing a thing that some of us are not receiving and walking in. This man is told by Jesus, take up your bed and walk. And what American Christians would do, okay, okay thank, you, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Bless you. Because bless you. we don't really have faith that God can actually do the healing. But let me tell you what this man does. This man takes up his bed and begins to walk. And when God does the thing, I need you to walk it out in this season. Watch this. 38 years this man is sick. He's been unwell. And in 38 seconds, God changes everything. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but God can change in 10 minutes in his presence what's been messed up for 10 years in your life. And some of you have walked in hopelessness for so long and you don't believe that God can do it. So when I say, look at your neighbor and say, God just did it. You know, oh yeah, that's cute. We're, I go to a Pentecostal church. That's what we do here. And you don't have faith that God can do it just like that. But this man takes up his bed and he walks in. Here's the problem, Adrian. And here's where I'm landing the plane. Jesus healed him on the wrong day. Don't you love religious people? Because religious people are policy over people. Religious people are law over the spirit. They don't care about your heart transformation. They just want you to behave well. So they don't ask you questions like, why do you do the things that you do? They just say, stop doing it. They don't want to go deeper. The thing I love about Jesus is that he heals this man instantly. This man walks it out. The problem is that Jesus heals him on the wrong day and the religious people see that and they are more upset that he's not keeping the law than they are passionate about the fact that he's been sick for 38 years and he ain't sick no more. And I've got good news for you. Maya, this next season where God's about to bless us, where he's about to heal us, he's about to break the rules to do it. I don't hear you, L. Come on, let me. Because you've been thinking that this is going to take a long time. But just like that, I need to put faith into you to believe that this isn't going to take a long time because we've got too much work to do. God's getting ready to exp expedite what he's going to do. But watch this. You've got to be willing for him to do it in a way that doesn't fit the regularities of your life. I know you're not supposed to be walking on Sunday. I know you're not supposed to be doing what you're doing. And I would agree with you, except for he healed me. The Bible says that they came up to him and said, why are you walking on the wrong day? And this is all the man said. I ain't going to Bible college. I don't go to seminary. I don't know a whole lot of stuff. All I know is that I was laying down there for 38 years and some man told me to pick up my bed and walk and energy got into my knees, fire got into my bones and I got up and I began to walk. Let me tell you what a testimony is, core team. It's the fact that I was laid down in my own sickness and devices and a man from Galilee named Jesus of Nazareth walked by me and said, you can walk now. I know you've been sick. I know you've been tired, but that season is over. And he's going to break the rules to do it. 38 years. 30, 38. I'm 36, about to be 37. 
my whole life plus a year and two months. He's been sick, surrounded by sick people. All of a sudden, have you ever gotten tired of being tired? <laughs> Y'all not ready for me today. Have you ever gotten sick of being, see some of you, the reason you don't really press in, the reason why you're not fat, you're not tired enough yet. You, you ain't sick enough yet, yeah, yeah. You, you, still, got some, you still got some ways to go. Uh, uh, but, but this man is sick and tired of being sick and tired and Jesus tells him to take up his bed and walk and understand something that in this day, for a person to sit on a mat or to have a cape around their neck, it identified their disability. And here's what God says, you have been resting on this disabled identity. I need you to take the thing that you've been resting on that used to have you captive and I need you to carry the thing that's been carrying you. You missed it. Let me try this side. This man was sitting on a mat that identified him as a disabled person, but when Jesus came around, the thing that was carrying him, he now began to carry. You know why I share my testimony? and why God set me free from homosexuality. When I first started sharing this testimony, it was not an easy testimony to share. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. I had leaders come up to me and they used to tell me, I don't want you around my kids because I don't want that to get off on them. And I had to go to my house and cry at night and say, God, why are you making me do this? It hurt so bad until I got to Singapore and a young man heard my testimony. He walked up to me and he said, I've gone through the same things that you've gone through. And I didn't ever believe that I could be free but if God can do it for you and now I'm carrying the very thing that used to carry me <laughs> so when you see me out of order carrying mats it's because he healed me <sighs> yeah 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 I, I know I'm not supposed to be dancing during the fast songs uh, but I'm gonna dance during the, the, the slow songs and I'm gonna I'm shout during the fast song because he, he, listen, 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 Linda, listen, Linda, I need you to catch this. Let me tell you something. The reason you've gone through everything that you've gone through is not because you're simply supposed to carry the things that used to carry you. It's because you're supposed to carry the people that have been sitting on the same mat that you've been sitting on and you're so self-conscious and not Holy Ghost conscious that you're consumed with what people think about you when there are hurting people who have gone through what you've gone through and they're saying tell me your story because I need to know if he can do it for you can he do it for me if it was hard for you to pull yourself out of bed I know God can do it for me if you are depressed and bound with insecurity I know that God can do it for me can I ask you a question who are you carrying Sam, who are you carrying? I, I, I want to know, Claudia, who are you carrying? Connie, I got to know, who are you carrying? Because if you're not carrying anybody, your testimony isn't done yet. Because the thing about testimony is that it builds faith for God to do it again. And what would happen, I, I love Sam. Sam came to me, he said, Pastor Dell, one of the counseling sessions I had that I actually really loved, he said, man, I want to start a Bible study uh, at my school. He goes to a Christian school and they need a Bible study. I mean, they do need a Bible study. And he said, I don't know how to start one, I don't, I don't know what to do. I said, you know, Matt's starting a Bible study, why don't you go join his, get under his leadership and learn how to do it. And, and the thing I love is that Matt, Matt, <laughs> perfect, perfect analogy. Um, Matt, for a season, is now carrying Sam. Okay, you missed it. Um, uh, I, Kelly's not here, so I can't pick her, her too much. 
But some of the girls that have been hanging out with Karen, y'all know what y'all are? And, and I'm not trying to demean you or anything. Uh, what y'all are are fruits that are being carried. See, this is what discipleship is all about. I've gone through some stuff. Listen, Pastor Nelson, I, can't, I don't have enough time to tell my whole story, but I, I, I wasn't just a pervert. I was a manic depressed. I was, I was bipolar. Not bipolar. I was a, a manic depressed. I had uh, what they call now bipolar. When I first began in ministry, Calvin, I was so scared to hold the mic that the first couple of times they threw out of my hand and hit the people in the front row. Look at me now. Zach. Zach. Where's Zach? Zach, wave. Look at Zach back there. Uh, last week, Zach got up on stage and gave a word from the Lord, uh, a prophetic word, and I posted about it on, on my Instagram. I said, man, this is Zach. He gave his first prophetic word to our congregation, and I am proud to be his pastor because I don't want nobody else claiming him. I still sheep. They can't. Um, <laughs> I was talking to, to Zach this week and we were having a spiritual conversation with Andrew T. Uh, some, of, some of the saints in our church are actually hungry, so they asked me a spiritual question. Uh, and, he, and we were having a conversation and I said, he saw my post. He goes, that's what that was? So what do you mean? I was prophesying? I said, yes. He said, well, I've been hearing stuff like that for a long time. Yeah, you just didn't have nobody to carry you. If this was at the Lily, we'd be shouting and running right now. In this season, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I'm done. In this season, we cannot remain sick. I don't care what the excuses you've made. I love you. I really do. But it's time that we go from making excuses to making history. And some of you have been in this journey too long. You've been in this race too long to still be this broken and not offer yourself to be healed before the Lord. It's not a problem to be broken because we go through life and we all get messed up and jacked up and sick sometimes. But when the healer presents himself, you have an opportunity to say, Lord, yes, I want to be made whole. So I want to ask you tonight, do you want to be healed? No, no, no. Like if, if God could heal you, and deliver you. Would you want to be healed? Because before you say yes too fast, he might expose you before he heals you. You might get humiliated. It won't be his fault, but you might get humiliated before he heals you. This, this isn't going to be a quick, we might have an altar call. You might cry and pray a little bit, but healing has got to be walked out. It, it, it's going to get hard because some folks are going to judge your healing. <laughs> what do you think they are? I know, I know where they come from. I know what they struggle with. Yeah, but I'm healed. Got some scars, but I'm healed. So I, I, I've got to ask you one more time, and I need you to give me a thoughtful answer because this is not just one of those cliche, charismatic, Pentecostal questions to get people roused up for an altar call. I need you to really search yourself. Do you want to be healed? Or, or do you just want to complain about it? Do you just want the attention that comes with it? Or do you want to just be perfect overnight without having to go through the process? If you want to be healed, come to meet me at the altar. I don't care what it is. It can be a sin proclivity. It can be a broken heart. But you got some stuff that you've been dealing with for a long time. I don't care if you're a core team, a leader. See, that, that shame and that embarrassment is going to get in the way of your breakthrough and healing. But if you will hear this as the word of the Lord, you have an opportunity to be healed. Do you want to be made whole?
Those of you who are watching online, I'm believing that God's going to begin to even touch you. Stay in, go back to that vein you were in. Go back to that vein you were in. Jesus, Jesus. I'll wait. I'll wait. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? I see you. I see you. I see you. Before we pray, can you do me a, a favor? If you're at this altar and Pastor Nelson, I'm going to ask for your help in just a moment. I know you're on vacation, but let me work you for a minute. Would you do me a favor? Open your eyes. Look at me. Open your eyes. Look at me. This is what healing looks like. And, and, and listen, I'm not saying that because I need you to look at me as an example. Here's what I'm saying. Many of you know me because you walk with me because we're a different kind of church. You see how broken I am. You see... Maya, you shook your head too hard. <laughs> you see my issues. Healing doesn't mean that you don't have continued stuff to work on. This healing thing is not a destination. It's a continued journey. I was at MFI with Jaden and Nate and the guys this week, and I was on the altar just getting healed again. I thought I was healed from that stuff. Yeah, let's get healed some more. So I don't want to set you up for failure to think that just because you have an altar call and a moment where God touches you, that everything's going to, some people are not going to like the fact that you're trying to be healed because the people who hate healed people are the people who want to stay sick. And so your friends are going to try to get you. No, don't, come on, bro. Don't, don't go to church. Let's just go out for drinks. Let, let's just go out and have fun. You need to get a tenacity that says, no, 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 I am fighting for my healing. I want to go get drinks. I don't want to go to church. I don't feel like it, but I need to be in the presence of God. I need a word from the Lord. Because the hell that I'm going through, it needs to be matched with the power of God that only he can provide. The second people I need you to look at, because you looked at me, I need you to look around at this altar. Look around at this altar. Seriously, take a whole 360 look. Look at the colors, the shapes, the sizes, the genders. The enemy, look at me. The enemy has been making you think that you're the only one who's got issues. Look at this altar. Our seats are empty. Look at the altar. You're not the only one who has issues. That's why I need you, Jaden. So he, that's why I need you. That's why I need you, Adrian. Because we need to be sick together so we can get healed together. Because Sam, there's coming a day where I'm pastor, pastor, praying, tongue talking, prophesying, pastor's going to get tired. I'm going to, come here, Sam, quickly. You're a runner. I need quickly. I need you. I need you in days where you have all these muscles. What is it good for? Grab me tightly. Don't make me say it out loud. It feels weird. This can come day where I can't get myself there. But I need somebody to drag me. Who can drag me? And say, no, no, no. I'm not. No, nah, nope, nope. You're not staying angry. You're not staying mad. You're going to learn how to forgive. You're going to learn how to heal. Look around one more time. Last time. Thanks, Sam. Last time. Look around. Just really quick. I know. Look around. The enemy's been lying to you. You're not the only one in this church who's broken. You're not the only one in this church who's bound. And I hope tonight you're not the only one who presses in for healing. So in all sincerity, if you need healing, I want you to reach your hands to heaven and ask Jesus to lay hands on you right now. Go, 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 go. Before anybody prays for you, before anybody lays hands on you, you pray for yourself and you ask the Holy Spirit to lay hands on you. Jesus, 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 Jesus.